in the words of Harry Nielsen, one is the loneliest number. And this is the Fat Man Chronicles. Welcome to episode 126 of the Batman Chronicles. I'm Pete, and I'm flying solo. Gretchen is not around. You know, that work thing that gets in the way. So we're going to skip views from the couch, but we're also going to skip a recap from me, so there's some bonus material for you. And instead, we're going to have a an interview with a great guy named Van Lanzendorfer. So without further ado, why don't we just jump on over to that interview? All right, now we're heading over to an interview with Van Lanzendorfer. Van, welcome to the Fat Man Chronicles. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. This is great. Yeah, I appreciate it. You reached out to me on uh, social media a little bit, and we've gotten to connect, and I'm excited to get to know you a little better. Yeah, man. I started listening to your podcast right before my my big run, and uh, definitely wanted to reach out and get to know you more, and for sure. Sweet. All right. Well, we know your name. Why don't you tell us a little bit about you and kind of where you're at in your life and where you're from and all that good stuff? Sure. So I'm from Duncanville, Pennsylvania, uh, Central PA, kind of by um, Altoona. Um, Actually, I'm at work right now. My office is in State College, PA, which Penn State University is right down the road from my office. Nice. Um, Yeah. So I recently married. I got married last September. My beautiful wife, Emily, we are expecting our first baby this October. Oh, congrats. Thank you. Thank you. And, um, uh, my work for work, I am a personal trainer, actually out in Altoona, Pennsylvania, a place called Revival Fitness and Rehab. And then my office in State College, um, is called Revived Stretch and Recovery. So we do fat therapy. Uh, my business partner, Tyler out here, he owns this building with me. And then he actually owns the gym in Altoona. Beautiful. So, yeah. So what do you guys, so what's your niche then? It sounds like it's a little bit deeper than typical personal training. Yeah. So the niche that we have, so our gym in Altoona, we do specifically people who have had issues before. Um, so when I say specifically, that's a lot of our clientele. I do have a, you know, thinking of somebody right now, I have somebody that's 20 um, she's just in the gym for your basic fitness, you know. Um, but then on the other end, I have somebody who she had a stroke three years ago. Um, and she loves to exercise, but she can't walk into your basic, you know, Planet Fitness, Anytime Fitness, something like that, um, because she doesn't really know what she's doing. Um, my, I went to school for physical therapist assistant, so I don't practice um, PTA anymore. Um, I just use kind of what I went to school for to help people who have issues and stuff like that that are want to work out but just need that extra push and that extra, you know, safety net, that cushion so that they can exercise safely. Um, and then all around our gym, we do, we work with people who, like I said, have issues, but their main goal is just to be in better health. You know, they want to be able to, to get the groceries out of their car and go up the flight of stairs and not be out of breath, that kind of stuff. Nice. So what led, yeah. what led you down that path to that niche? Um, so 
when I started college, I, I knew that I wanted to help people. I went the physical therapist assistant route because I thought that'd be my fastest way to be uh, doing what I love, which is helping people. Um, and then once we, once I kind of got into the physical therapist assistant world and the PT world, I, I realized that, you know, going into the gym setting, I can help a lot more people because, you know, when you work with physical therapy, you go for a certain reason. You know, you had a, a knee replacement or ACL tear or your back hurts, something like that, where when you come see me, it's like I turn, I tore my ACL whenever I was 25 and now I'm 35 and I just want to make sure I don't hurt it anymore. Gotcha. Yeah. So growing up, were you athletic? Yeah. So I, uh, I wrestled in high school. Um, and that's pretty much the extent of my athleticism. <laughs> I, uh, I kind of just wrestled for fun. I wasn't the best at it by any means. I think I won three matches in my five year career <laughs> of wrestling. Um, and then I, I played a little bit of football, a little bit of baseball, but nothing, nothing serious. Wrestling was my big thing. And then I went to a Catholic college and we didn't have any major sports. Not that I was good enough to be a college wrestler anyway, sure. but I, I didn't really have the opportunity to do so. Nice. So were you yeah. just running to cut weight then? So I actually didn't start any running until last year. Uh, last January, right before COVID, my business partner, um, he's a big runner. He's done marathons, a bunch of half marathons. Um, and he runs a lot, obviously, and I didn't run at all whenever I first met him. Um, and what I kind of found was because I work in a gym, you know, you think, if I work in a gym, I can work out all the time. That's the exact opposite. Like when you're a chef, you don't want, the last thing you want to do is make your own food. So it would be seven o'clock at night and I'd be like, well, I didn't get to work out today. So what am I going to do? I would just go out and run. Um, and it was very slow. I'm still not a very fast runner, but, um, I started running really consistently last January. And then, um, that's kind of where my running career started. So, yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that's really interesting is when people first start running, especially, they always think they're slow, right? But it's all relative. It's it's kind of oh, like absolutely. you probably can relate that to people in the gym. You know, well, yeah, I can't really lift a lot of weight. Well, for you, whatever you're lifting at that moment is a lot. Yes, absolutely. So then you're going to see incremental progress. So you start running in January, and then what what uh, what goal did you have in mind? Or were you just running for the heck of it? I was just kind of running for the heck of it, man, really. I mean, I... I did it because I I really started doing it whenever COVID started. Whenever COVID hit last year, um, we shut down the gym for a few weeks, and then we slowly opened back up. And um, I started running when we shut down, and I was like, you know, th I really like this. Um, at the same time, too, uh, a really good friend of mine, his dad gave me a road bike, Trek Madone, actually. Beautiful bike. I love it. Um, so I started riding that as well. And I was like, I'm, I'm really into this endurance stuff. And that's what really started it. So when it came to goals, I didn't really have one until I signed up for a half marathon last October. Um, and then I didn't actually compete in the, in the race because I had to, I had to do stuff for work. So I ended up signing up and then not going. And then, um, yeah, that was the only real goal I, I really set for myself was that half marathon. And I didn't even do it until I, so I went from a 10 K to a 50 K. <laughs> All right, well, yeah. tell us about that, that 50K. Yeah, so um, it all started, uh, all of my friends are very athletic guys, and they can kind of, I, I'm really envious of them because they're the guys that can just pick up anything and do it well. Um, so I'd say it was probably 
this January, so January 2021, um, I was my wife and I were having a party at the house, and they were all over, and they're like, hey, man, we signed up for this uh, Ghost Town Trail 50K. It's in June. And in January, I was not running that much at all. Um, it's kinda, I, was, I was working out a decent amount, but not consistently running. Um, and I was like, hey, what the heck? So I, I said I would do it, and I didn't really sign up until, like, February. Um so officially signed up, started running consistently for it. Um, and then we all kind of started running together. Um, I, me being self-employed, it was hard to keep up with them because they had a lot more free time than I did. Um, so they would run on days that I was working. and I'd, I'm, I'm a big solo runner, so I did a lot of my runs alone. Um, and then when the – it was really funny. So we downloaded this app called Run With How. I don't know if you've ever heard of it before. Um, so we downloaded it and we put in our like what the day was and then when the race day was, and the app told us that we should probably not do the race. <laughs> is it Hal Higdon's app? Yes, yes, yeah. that's a, that's what it is. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so we downloaded that app and it, every it told all of us to not do it, and we so we all deleted the app and said we were going to do it anyway. <laughs> and, <laughs> We kind of just pieced together our training routes. Um, like I said, my business partner, Tyler, he's a big runner, so he kind of helped me put it together because this was my first big run. I mean, prior to that, prior to training for the 50K itself, um, my run, my longest run was 10 miles. So it's a big jump from 10 to 31. Or um, This trail in particular, in particular was actually 32. Um, so he, I did a lot of hill training, a lot of tempo runs, and my long distance runs, I did a lot of heart rate specific training. So what I did was, um, every Saturday or Sunday, um, I would go out and I would set a extra half, like I would add a half hour to my time. So if the week before I did a two hour run, this weekend was a two and a half hour run. Um, now some weekends, of course, you know, life happens. I have a house and a pregnant wife and a business and everything. So I d- didn't get to do it. Um, so my long runs were, every other weekend but if i couldn't get the whole thing i at least got 10 miles in um so i did the probably a 10 mile a lot a lot of 10 mile runs a lot of um like 15 16 miles 15 16 mile runs and then about a month before the actual 50k i did a, a marathon um just by myself my wife came out at like mile 21 and gave me some gatorade and brought my dog and it was it was a nice boost and then um i finished that and then after that race i Pretty much or after that training run, I pretty much kept the uh, long runs to about 15 miles. I didn't really go over that. Um, and then the 50K was um, June 19th. So it was just uh, about two or three weeks ago. Nice. So during your training runs, are you practicing like any nutrition stuff? Like how, how did that work out for you? Yeah. So I did, um, I used a lot of the cliff shoes, like the little cubes. Um, those were my go-to for sure. And then I carried water for the most part. Um, pre-race, the only thing I really tested out, this is going to sound hilarious, but the, you know, the Kodiak cakes, you heard of those? Yep. Yeah. The protein pancakes. So I made one of those and I put a bunch of salt in it, like just (laughs) just regular salt. And then that's what I ate right before my marathon. I let that, I I ate it and then I kind of just hung out, drank some coffee before I left. And then I, drove to the uh, rail trail where I did the marathon. That was the only thing I really did that was not what I normally do before a run. It was that 
eating that a lot of sodium right before the run. Um, and then in, intra running, you know, just the cliff chews. Um, I didn't really use like tailwind or anything like that. I just basically stuck with Gatorade. Um, and that was pretty much it for the training runs. Yeah. So then did you translate that salty Kodiak cake on race day too? Yes. Yeah. Race day was, um, I pretty much did everything the exact same as I did for the marathon training run. I did, uh, got up at the same time, ate the same stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely recommended. No new things on race day. That's, you know, a mantra of, of runners and mm-hmm. definitely model what race day is going to be at least once, if not two or three times. But it sounds like right. you kind of found stuff that didn't bother your stomach. You wanted to get those extra electrolytes in. So you put a bunch of salt into yep. into um, that protein pancake. And then you had a you had a plan. And I mean, yeah. Although, I mean, running is definitely different. I'm sure that you found that out, but I mean, general fitness definitely helps. Oh, absolutely. Right. I mean, so you're not starting from, you're not a couch to 5k kind of start, you know, you've got a fitness level already. So that definitely definitely some. Yeah. So how did that race go for you? Was it, tell us about the, the trail itself and you know, kind of how race day went. Yeah. So race day was good. I got up around. 3.30, 3.30, uh, the race start was about an hour away from my house. Um, so there was seven of us doing that, doing the race. Um, so woke up, coffee, pancake, pretty much everything normal. Um, weather was projected to be good. Um, there was a chance of rain, wasn't too hot. Um, we got there, race start was at 7. We got there probably 6.45. Um, hung out ate a little bit of um, food, like light stuff, so some granola and, and stuff like that. And then when the race started, so everything was good. I, I planned on doing everything that I did for the marathon basically for today because, I mean, 50K is only five more miles. Yeah, I say only, only very, <laughs> oh, yeah, only very lighthearted. It changes everything. <laughs> it does five miles. Um, so I'm running and I planned on doing it in six and a half hours that was my that was my goal i was like i have to do it in six and a half hours um because my marathon took me about four hours and 40 minutes um so i one of my clients is a big runner he's done like 100 mile races 75 mile races and he said the a good rule of thumb for your 50k is add an, an hour to your marathon time so that was what i was going with i was like well 540 plus some stops and everything so i was like let's get it in six and a half hours. If I would have had under six pace or under six finish time, I'd have been probably crying because I've been so happy. But so everything at the, the first 10 miles, everything looked like it was, that's what was going to happen. I was actually going to get under my, my race time or my um, six and a half hour goal. So at mile 13, I regret to this day, I had a uncrustable that was at one of the aid stations <laughs> And it was the worst mistake ever. <laughs> I, I, uh, oh my gosh, my stomach hurt so bad and I couldn't even run. It was like, it, it was a cramping. It wasn't like a, I got sick during the run. It was every time I started to pick up the pace, my stomach would cramp. So from mile probably 14, like where the Uncrustable really set in, uh, to about 20, it was just like a run walk. Um, and it was mainly, I, sh- I say run, walk, I should say walk, run, because I, ba- I basically walked. It, it just was, it was terrible. Um, but uh, 
Tyler, my business partner, he was, his brother was also running the race and he was at mile 24 and he gave me a Tums and that <laughs> helped so much. It was, it was way better. So after that, um, I was pretty good. It felt really good at mile 18. My whole family was there. My wife was there. My mom and dad were there. My mother-in-law was there. Her, my wife's grandma was there and I actually changed my shoes out. I had, excuse me, I had two of the exact same pair of shoes. One I was training in for like the, the, from January to March. And then I got the second pair in March and I did like not even a hundred miles and I'm probably just enough to break them in. Um, and I know they say don't get new shoes for race day, but that actually really helped. I don't know what it was. I wore the Ultra Rivera, I think is how you say it. Um, great shoe, but the last, from mile 15 to 18, where I saw my wife and was able to change my shoes out, it felt like I wasn't even wearing shoes. I don't know what happened exactly, but it just, it just didn't help. So I changed my socks out, changed my shoes out. Um, and I, after that, my feet felt good and my, my stomach still hurt. And then basically miles 23 to the finish. So I think it ended up being like 31.3 or whatever. Um, I was good. I still walked a little bit. I started to cramp a little bit around mile 28, 29. Um, but I finished and my moving time was 620 and then my race time total was 632. Wow, so right. That's, that's fantastic though. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It, it ended up being working out pretty well. So yeah. So was it a flat course? Is that a rail trail? So it was a rail trail, but it was an L it, we started at the lowest point and it was basically a climb the whole way. Um, it was a very gradual climb, so we didn't even notice it. Um, especially, you know, how many miles in you're just, your legs are numb and you're just grinding through, you know, right. so, but I'm sure, I'm sure that happened to you on yours too. You're half, you're like two thirds of the way through and you're just grinding. You're like, I don't even oh, care yeah. what happens now. Yeah. That, that for me right now, that's on like a three miler. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it is different. I mean, you hit a couple of high kind of really big ultra runner things, right? You, you ate food that bothered you. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that's good. But if you haven't, if you haven't gotten sick during an ultra run, I mean, you, you gotta. <laughs> that that's like a you red passage, I think. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you know, eating bad aid station food, um, mm-hmm. and then you know, walking is just a big part of ultra running. Period. Absolutely. And I'm I'm I don't know. Like I keep because of what I have to do right now. I'm doing more walking than ever, and I I love it. It's oh, yeah. so much gentler on my, on my big body. So, you know, it, it's, uh, it's nice to recover immediately. Right. Right. You know, so yeah, I found whenever I was doing the 50 K I walked more than what I planned to even before my stomach hurt. Um, it just kind of gives you like a recharge in the middle of the race. You know, whenever you're doing those races that are like half marathon, 10 K 5 K like, like when you're running to for a certain time, you don't want to walk because you want to be that time. But when you do an ultra, you have, that was another thing that the guy that I, I work with that does big runs and a hundred miles and stuff like that. He said, you know, no matter what you do, you have time to figure it out. You have time to walk and be like, okay, that didn't work. So hopefully within these next two, three miles, I'm feeling better and I can keep pushing. And yeah. Yeah. That's one of the big things I, that ultras do allow you to do because there's, Aid stations are much more like, uh, I don't know, mini buffets and hotel stays, right? 
Yeah. You know, there you've got a chance <laughs> to really take a break if you want. And mm-hmm. the the big thing is always just try to go unless you're injured. Right. Where you can't try to go because you're really going to regret it. And you can always just drop it the next one. So mm-hmm. uh, I always tell people keep going as much as as much as possible. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So is the ultra bug bit you now? I mean, is that do you think that's where you want to hang out in the running world or are you going to come back to earth and, and, uh, try some half marathons and such? I don't know, man. I kind of like, I kind of like the ultra marathon, you know, um, style of running. I love the distance. I'm not a, I'm not a fast runner. Um, so I like that covering long distances. Uh, I was a boy scout, so I love trail runs and stuff like that. So that's my, that's my next big thing. Um, with the with the baby coming in October, I'm not really sure exactly how many long runs I'm gonna have, or at least opportunities. You know, we definitely will make time so that we can do our own thing, my wife and I. But it doesn't happen as often as prior to having a child, which I'm sure you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's for sure. Well, especially yeah. I've I've done exactly like you had had my own business and you know had kids. It's it's tough to find time yeah. for yourself. There's never enough time in the day. And right. I, I didn't realize that until I opened the business, and I'm just like man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Right. So, so going, going back to your business a little bit, I'm, I'm really curious. So is there like a nutrition aspect or anything to your business? Do you partner with anybody? How do you handle when, when a client's overweight? So when we have a client that's overweight, we have a couple different, um, ways that we handle it. So, uh, one of the guys that actually ran an ultra with me, his name is Brad Beatty. He's a great guy. Um, he is, has his own, um, dietitian practice. Um, case specific nutrition is who he, is who he works with. Um, so he, I refer a lot of my clients to him because my background is not in nutrition. I give general nutrition advice, um, but nothing specific. So if someone came to me and said they had a gluten allergy or they have to do keto or something like that, I don't, that's not my realm. You know, that's out of my scope of practice. I can give, if someone comes to me and they have, don't have any allergies at all and they say, or any issues with food and they want to come lose a little weight and, and get their diet in check, I can help with that to some extent, but I can't do the in-depth uh, nutrition guidance. Um, my advice that I give to those people who don't have a um, issue with food with being like gluten intolerant or anything like that is you have to find a habit-based kind of diet. You know, the, the fad diets, you know, keto and paleo and all those diets, they're, they're great for a little bit. And then they kind of, once you stop doing them, you know, then you can gain that weight back and you have to find whatever works for your lifestyle. You know, if keto works for you, um, then I recommend doing that. But when it comes to the major diet stuff, like I said, I recommend, I typically refer out to Brad, um, because he's really good at that kind of stuff for sure. In general, do you have clients, like, do you try to get them to track their intake or anything, or do you just really leave that out, focus on the fitness aspect? So if they come in and they, and they, that's something that they struggle with, you know, they're, they come in and they say, you know, I find myself snacking at 11 PM every single night. I just can't help it. Um, then what I typically do is I have them track their food for just a week. Um, everything, write it all down. I don't care about the calories. I don't want them to change anything either. You know, if they're going to snack every night at 11 o'clock just for one more week, you know, you've been doing it for how long, one more week's not going to change anything. Um, because then they have 
I can look at it and they can look at everything that they eat over a week span and exactly what it is. And then we, we make adjustments here and there. Um, again, if they don't have any major restrictions or anything like that, I do help with that. Um, and then after that, you know, if what I'm doing isn't helping, then I will refer out to Brad and I just stick with the fitness stuff. Beautiful. So if, if somebody is not able to be in central Pennsylvania to work with you, do you do things remote also? Do you have a, a practice that goes like that? So I can absolutely do remote stuff um, via Skype or Zoom or anything like that. Um, my area is very rural, so we don't typically have that kind of stuff. People aren't really interested in the online stuff. They like that one-on-one in-person kind of feel. Um, but yeah, I mean, I if someone reached out to me and said, hey, can you do stuff via Zoom or could you design programs for me? And, and all, I absolutely could do that for sure. Cool. And if somebody had very little time, you know, much like you're going to be bumping up against here, um, but their yeah. job's not in fitness, it's in finance or, you know, in a grocery store or what have you. If, if you had to tell somebody like, here, take 15 minutes a day and do what to try to kind of maintain some sort of minimum fitness until their schedule can relax and they can find somebody like you. Sure. Um, so if you only had 15 minutes a day, I would absolutely recommend that you do core work. So uh, planks, shin grips, dead bug exercises, um, a lot of that stuff's all core based. And then I would do a lot of squat based exercises, you know, even inside your home or glute bridges where you're laying on your back and you bridge your hips up in the air. Um, that kind of stuff is really good for your basic core mobility. And then also within that 15 minutes, I would really stress the importance of just your basic stretching. Um, the average person sits 90% of the day, you know, especially if you have a desktop, if you are that person in finance, you know, if you're not right now, a lot of people are working from home, but even prior to working from home, you know, when you, you sleep, most people sleep on their side. So they're in that sleep, that kind of sitting position because their knees are bent usually. Um, so you're sleeping for six to eight hours, which you're in that, that seated position. Even though you're not actually sitting, your muscles are kind of set in that position. Get out of bed, sit down, eat breakfast or watch the news or whatever you do. Then you get in your car, you drive to work, get to work, sit down. So stretching the glutes and the low back is crazy important that i mean if someone only had 15 minutes a day to exercise that's where i would start for sure because i bet they would see at least feel better within two weeks of doing that consistently three three or four days a week some people gretchen just go straight to the couch and they just sit there to work all day on their finance stuff yeah Uh, absolutely (laughs) uh very cool the i'm really interested in kind of how how these new fitness, uh, Peloton, Mir, Tonal, like how, has that impacted your business at all? Or how do you view those things? I think you have a mirror, right? We do. We have a mirror. Yeah. Do, do you like it? Do you use it a lot? I do. Yeah, I do like yeah. it. Gretchen really likes it. Awesome. That's great. So yeah. I actually, the, the mirror and the Tonal and the Peloton, they haven't really um, affected us that much. There's something about that one-on-one personal training um, that just changes it. Well, I'm sorry. It will never change, you know, coming to me at a, at a fitness facility or 
knowing that, you know, if I don't work out today, Van's going to text me and check in on me in two weeks and I'm going to have to lie to him, you know, because he didn't do it. You know what I mean? When you have those at home gym equipment, the mirror, the tunnel, the Peloton, that stuff's great, but you can, no one's really going to yell at you if you don't do it. You know what I mean? If you skip a day, um, no one, no person is going to be like, Hey, you skipped. What the heck's going on? You know what I mean? Whereas me, I'll call you. I'll call you out on it. I'll be like, Hey, you were supposed to be here at one o'clock. Where the heck are you? That kind of stuff. That, that, that personal touch to personal training is never going to go away. Just out of curiosity, have you had anybody that's gotten injured using one of those things and then have come to you to try to fix that? I have not, but I'm waiting for the day. I'm waiting. I'm sure it's going to happen at some point. Maybe not with the Peloton, but definitely with a mirror or a tonal. I could see that happening for sure. Yeah, I could too. And it's not a bash against them, but you know, beginner isn't very beginner. I think on some no. of their exercises. I mean, you're. I mean, if you try to follow them, you're and not do modifications. You're going to get hurt because you're right. just not. To your point, we're sitting most of the time, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden I'm supposed to jump up and do, you know, three hundred squats in a, you know, fifteen minute workout. It's yeah. just not. It's not safe. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. And the thing with those uh, mirrors and tunnels and stuff like that is they, that's a beginner workout. Everybody's beginner is different. Right. You know, every single person has a different standard of where they're starting. You know, they might be a beginner of working out, but they've worked out previously. You know, it, they're a beginner to tonal because they have no exercise in six months. But, um, you know, somebody who hasn't worked out since high school and they're 40, and they get this mirror and they do the beginner workout. And like you said, you have to do 300 squats in 15 minutes. They're either going to hurt themselves or they're not going to be able to walk up the stairs when they're done because their legs are going to be so bad. Um, so that's the thing with those is they don't have that, that person standing right there saying, Hey, you're doing that form incorrectly. You're lifting that weight wrong. Um, you should do it this way. And another thing too with, with those machines is if you are using the mirror and you have a torn rotator cuff, you know, what are you, what is that mirror going to offer you in, uh, as a modification? Now, I don't have one, so I can't, I don't really know exactly what they offer. Um, but I know it's a big deal. You know, if you can't do a shoulder press and it wants you to do a shoulder press and you're not a person that's familiar with the gym, you're going to be like, well, I guess I'm going to do it because that's what it's telling me to do. And even though it hurts, I don't know what else to do. Yeah. It's definitely something that you've got to use your head. They do offer modifications often on oh, okay on on things and with mirror at least there is a way to do it live where they can actually see you if you turn on your if you turn on your camera um, oh, okay and they can offer some advice but remember you're one of i don't know 500 a thousand i don't know how many people right that would be on that at right. once so uh, you know it's possible and believe it or not they actually do have one-on-one training that you can you can pay for which is which wow, is actually kind of a cool thing right because it's yeah you've got a you've got a camera they can see you mm-hmm. you can see them that part of it i think that's probably my guess is that's where their business will grow right um which is probably the closest thing that people are going to find to doing something live like with you yeah um but you know not everybody lives in state college or altoona so right you know yeah. Um, oh, great. My daughter just started playing the piano. Um, 
I asked her not to come downstairs. I guess I did not ask her specifically not to play the piano. So yeah, you have to have a set list of rules, Pete. You, I do. I do. Yeah. Uh, but it gives me a good transition to ask a, a couple of other things just to get to know you a little better. Sure. Um, all right. So when it comes to food, I mean, you, you're an in-shape guy, you know, uh, what's your guilty pleasure? What's the, what's the thing that, that you're like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't have that, but I'm doing it anyway. Oh man. I have lots of guilty pleasures. That's why I run and exercise so much (laughs) because I make it so I can still have the guilty pleasures. Um, I'm a sucker for hot wings. Oh, beautiful. Oh man. I, I, there is no limit to the amount of hot wings I could eat. I can safely say I've had a two dozen wings in one sitting before. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. No way. (laughs) (laughs) And you said you run solo. So do you have earbuds in? Are you listening to music podcasts? What are you doing? Sure. So I uh, use AirPods. I feel like everyone has a pair of AirPods these days. Um, I listen to podcasts on long runs, which is how I found you. And I listen to music on runs that are typically like 10 miles or less. Um, I find that if I listen to music on long runs, no matter how hard I try, I will always run faster than intended. And then I get tired faster, yeah. you know, cause I'm a, whenever I do long runs, I'm, I'm such a big focus on heart rate. I'll be like running at a, you know, eight thirty pace when I plan on doing 15 miles. And I'm like, Oh my God, my heart rate's 180. Like I, I can't maintain this for the next hour. So whenever I listen to podcasts, I'm able to bring it down to like a nine thirty, nine forty five, And I can, you know, my heart rate's in the 150s, and it's much better running when I listen to podcasts. Nice. Very cool. All right. Well, I feel like uh, this was eye-opening for me, like in terms of like kind of the the niche that you have for uh, for personal training and that, not rehab, but kind of that in-between part or to keep people kind of going. It's really interesting. Absolutely. So I, I appreciate you taking the time to, to talk today. Yeah. Thanks, Pete. This was great, and I appreciate you having me on here, and yeah. Well, awesome, man. We'll catch up again soon. Absolutely. All right, Anytime. thanks. Yep. All right. Got to thank Van again for coming on. Definitely a great perspective to get from somebody in the health and fitness industry. If you have any questions for him, please reach out. And uh, you can reach out to him on social or you can reach out to me and I'll be happy to coordinate that. But otherwise, let's wrap it up. You've been listening to episode 126 of the Fat Man Chronicles. The music is You Got Me Wrong by Safar. You know, website, fatmanchronicles.com. That needs some some refresh. That's something I'm working on now. We'll see what happens. Gretchen will be back soon. I know everybody's going to wait with bated breath for that. So you don't just have me. But in the meantime, everyone get out there and be better today. Yeah.